0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labbrooks.com 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
2: This is a game day podcast from TalkSport.
0: Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport as we look ahead to all the weekend's Premier League action with me, Sam Matterface. Coming up on this week's pod, Manchester City look to go within eight points of the title. Manchester City's unrelenting, unforgiving advance to the Premier League title is sweeping all before it.
1: When you are winning, winning, the guys that play, they have to know that they have to play good to try to play again. The assistant
0: editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis, says ahead of their game with Manchester United that the atmosphere inside the Tottenham dressing room isn't good.
2: What I would say is that the atmosphere is very febrile there. Given the reaction to his comments about same coach, different players, the interpretation is that the players aren't up to much.
0: Alex Crook, TalkSport commentator,
3: questions if Pep signing Erling is a foregone conclusion. It's just not part of the Manchester City business model to pay what 200 million pounds when you take into account wages wages and agents fees I don't think they're going to break the bank for Erling Haaland I think if somebody else does Chelsea or Manchester United then, then that might reduce the gap but that might still not reduce the gap enough plus a brand new feature the Arsenal cap
0: questioning Arteta and if West Ham get into the top four what does that say about the rest of the so-called big six all on the ultimate preview to the weekend's footballing action from Talk Sport it's the game day podcast A big hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Now, Darren, um, you've had a recent promotion, haven't you? You're now the assistant editor of the, uh, of the Mirror. And clearly, you're soon to be king of the world. <laughs> um, look, th- listen, there was a tweet last night uh, that you sent out. Darren, you, you compared the Bayern Munich game uh, against Chelsea to a basketball match. Uh, I mean, that, that, that was some slam dunk, bearing in mind that Chelsea were playing in Seville against Porto. Now, this was a mistake and mistakes happen, but I want to know, Darren, if this was you or was it one of your social media team?
2: <laughs> well, to be fair, I actually, when I woke up this morning and realised I'd sent that, I did phone Joe Hart to ask what I should do. <laughs> I, um, I, I saw it last night and
0: immediately uh, took a picture of it and sent it to Alex, but obviously we didn't tell you about it. We let it run. <laughs> And enjoy just reading all the replies
3: With friends like you (laughs) Uh, Morning Crook, how are you? I'm good, I'm good I'm broadcasting in my broom cupboard At my new house Where's Ed the Duck? Exactly, I've I've got one on order actually Have you? (laughs) Had to be done
1: smart enough to know the chance to have right now to make an incredible step to be champion again. It's another goal for the new boy Rafinha and leads us 3-0 in front. It in, quite superbly by Zaha, and Palace, after a wretched run, find themselves in front. Chelsea 2, West Bromwich Albion 5. Wood flicks the ball and welfare for Matej Vidra, 2-0 to Burnley. Newcastle 2, Spurs 2, it's a substitute, Joe Willick. We've set certain standards and we've got eight games to go, Squeaky Bum Tamers here. We're
0: off and underway, and it is only here on Talk Sport. Tottenham against Manchester United is Sunday at 4.30. Now, how much will
3: revenge be on the cards for Manchester United after the 6-1 in October, Crook? Yeah, it has to be a factor. When you look at Tottenham, it's incredible that United managed to concede six goals in that game. The Spurs just don't look like a side capable of scoring six goals in a single match. But... This is not a tap-in for Manchester United. I suppose you could argue, when you look at the league table, it's more important for Tottenham to win this game for their own Champions League hopes than it is for Manchester United. Obviously, we are recording this podcast before the first leg of United's Europa League game against Granada, when you would expect them to win handsomely and therefore be able to name a full-strength side against Spurs. If they don't, then maybe that could come into Oleg and Solskjaer's team selection. But... Yeah, I mean United have a have a decent record against Spurs, so <laughs> They should win, and based on what we saw from Tottenham against Newcastle last weekend. But these these are two of the most unpredictable teams in the Premier League, so it's very hard to make a call with any kind of conviction. Uh, Spurs didn't look like throwing away
0: their lead on Sunday until it was actually gone, and then they looked like they could lose not only the lead, but the game in their match against Newcastle. Manchester United didn't look like winning it until late in the second half against Brighton. Does that tell us something about the differences between the two, though, Darren, the fact that Manchester United seem to get the job done, whereas Spurs, if they're going to do anything, it's wilt.
2: I think it tells us more about the similarities between the two. Alex, you finish the sentence. You can't trust Tottenham or Manchester United. Absolutely. Or Arsenal. We can't. I mean, look, look if you... Who, who
3: else? Who else can't we trust? Let's let's,
2: let's go through <laughs> the list. They are the three. They are the only three, really, because I think the others, you pretty much know what you're going to get, by and large. Uh, when they turn up to play. Whereas these three teams, their results paper over so many cracks. It's unreal. If you look at Man United, they've won three of their last four, but their waveform has been very good. And so you would have trusted them going to Leicester in the FA Cup, except they got tanked in the, against Leicester in the FA Cup. So you can't even say they're away from home. They're actually going to, they're, they're a good bet to, to, to beat Spurs. If you look at Spurs, Four defeats from their previous five ahead of the game against Newcastle. So you'd have put your mortgage on them to beat a Newcastle side that had only won twice in 20 matches. And they go and blow that lead. So TalkSport has had Bruno Fernandes on this week. Excellent interview with Jim White talking about the fact that they can't be satisfied with possibly... Uh, getting into the top four given the size of the club. He's absolutely right. I think there are too many people prepared to set off a mediocrity behind the scenes at Manchester United. Finishing second, best of the rest, is nowhere near good enough. And for Spurs, well, finishing at the top four is nowhere near good enough. So they've got no reason to be thinking about revenge. They've got to think about winning the three points like you say, Crook.
0: Um, the Bruno Fernandes interview is now the model for all player interviews, isn't it? You know, just come out, speak honestly, speak with authority and as as if you sort of know what you're talking about, which he clearly does, you know, Uh, it wasn't sort of like platitudes trying to sort of put some PR spin on, on every answer that came his way or wasn't sort of full of media trained answers. It was, it was basically look, guys, we're Manchester United we're the biggest club in the world the fact of the matter is if we win the Europa League we're not going to be happy with that we've got to go go again which is I suppose what you've been saying for most of the season Crook
3: yeah and that's someone who's comfortable in his own skin he knows he is the best player at one of the best clubs in the world um, and he knows the standards that Manchester United need to reach which is why I've said before on this podcast that he should be the man wearing the captain's armband and not Harry Maguire I actually think it would help Harry Maguire in terms of his own personal form if the armband was taken away because I think the armband has weighed heavily on him at times this season a bit of transfer information when it comes to Tottenham as well they're being linked with Yank Vestergaard at Southampton this morning really interestingly I've been told in no uncertain terms that Southampton will not be doing any business with Tottenham. They were far from happy with how Spurs handled the signing of Pierre-Emil Hoybier last summer. So if Yannick Vestergaard is going anywhere, it won't be to North London. Interesting though, because there seems to be quite
0: a bit of cross-pollination between Southampton and Tottenham. And I mean, the curious case of Toby older who was once of uh, a Southampton's mm-hmm. parish, um, I suggested there was more to that story on Sunday's pod. And since then after being dropped, and the reason that he wasn't involved in the in the squad was because he wasn't available to train and was late for a COVID test, and blah, 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 according to the manager, Jose Mourinho. Pictures have emerged of Alderweireld training on the days that Jose said he couldn't. Uh, so what is going on there, Darren?
2: I have no idea, if I'm honest with you. Um, it just looks so curious what's going on. And... It's interesting with Jose Mourinho because he very seldom leaves himself in a position where he could be outmaneuvered. But that appears to be the case with this. And I think as Mourinho relishes pressure, we know that he's been at big clubs, lived up to the hype, delivered silverware. Even at Man United, where some people say it was a disaster, he came out with a League Cup and a Europa League title, trophy, whatever. So he very seldom leaves himself in a position like the one that he found himself after that elder viral thing where the pictures undermined what Jose had to say at his press conference this week will be very, very interesting. Indeed. Obviously we're recording this ahead of that, but what I would say is that the atmosphere is very febrile there. Given the reaction to his comments about same coach, different players, the interpretation is that the players aren't up to much. And also, be very interesting to see if Bale starts that match, given that he's started two games in a row for Wales, looked to be in good nick, but doesn't appear to be good enough, or in good enough nick to start on a regular basis for Tottenham. So this this game, this performance, the lineup, everything about Spurs will be fascinating going into this match. Well,
0: it's interesting because I saw the the rumours this week that Spurs players are sort of tired of being dug out by their manager. It must be a theme. Uh, that is uh, travelling down the North London area. Um, Manchester United themselves need to get off to a better start, don't they? Because they, they're 12th in the first half table. Um, what, what can you do about that if you're only going to Solskjaer? Guys, you know, the game starts 45 minutes before you seem to, to get your engine running.
3: Yeah, but again, that's been happening all season. So that suggests to me, once again, that comes back to maybe the way they're being prepared. Maybe the fact that the manager is struggling to get them into the right mindset. I suppose the flip side of that is they've shown great character to to come back regularly and, and take points in games they're losing. But it would be a lot easier for Manchester United fans a lot more relaxing if they could just start the game on the front foot take an early lead and then, and then go on and win the match but that's, in, in fairness that's never really been the, the Manchester United way yeah. so I guess you could say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, is playing
2: to the
3: traditions of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson
2: there There's yeah. that worry isn't there that they're going back to where they were during that period where they fell behind in seven out of nine games and had to fight their way back yeah. to try and yeah. win often they couldn't do it and that did for them in the Champions League didn't it and I think if they're slipping into that at this of the season, nothing is done and dusted just yet. Well, they're not good enough defensively. They make too many mistakes
3: at the back. I mean, it's interesting that the Dean Henderson seems to be the number one now. I think he's got an error in him. Um, still, probably. Hold on, me. you
0: were a big advocate of him uh, taking over from David De Gea. You, 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 you've, you've said on this podcast, David De
3: Gea was a great goalkeeper once. Yeah. But, but Now you want because, him back in again? or No, no, no I'm not saying that. I, actually, I don't think either of them at this stage are good enough or consistent enough to be Manchester United number one, but clearly they're not going to go out and spend big money on a goalkeeper, so they need to make a decision there. I still don't really like Maguire and, and Lindelof as a partnership. I think the lack of pace is exposed time and again. Wan-Bissaka is good defensively. And and actually, there's a a topic of debate there when it comes to England, because obviously lots of headlines about Trent Alexander-Arnold this week. But it was put to me by an ex-professional, I can't actually remember who it was, former Premier League player. Is Gareth Southgate missing the obvious here? I know he's a big fan of Reese James, I get that. But the best defender, the best right-back when it comes to stopping goals, is Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Now, you probably don't need him in the group stage against the likes of the Czech Republic and Scotland. But if they come up against a Spain, a France or an Italy, do you not need a fullback is just going to defend? Forget about the, the fancy stuff going forward. You need someone who's going to protect the goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, didn't
0: but... he, Gigi um, got called up to the England team in 2019 uh, for the game against Kosovo and Bulgaria. And I think he sort of withdrew with a back injury. And then there was some suggestion that he was going to declare for DR Congo. I don't know whether or not that's happened or not, but he changed his, didn't
2: he change his Twitter profile to a flag of DR Congo or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, But suddenly he's he's back in the England mix. Um, I I think Trippier's ahead of him. I think uh, Walker's ahead of him. I think he's a very good player. We're in a very good position, the kind of position we used to wonder why we were not in that Uh, years ago when we looked over the fence at Spain and France and Germany now we are in that position where we've got genuine quality for specific positions I wouldn't have Wan-Bissaka as the main defender, lots of goals come down Manchester United's left and so uh, for me sorry, yeah, the opposition left the Manchester United right I should say Um, and so for me I I look at the work that Trippi has done uh, and Atletico Madrid, I look at the work that Walker's done, his speed going forward, his defensive awareness, the fact that City have kept more clean sheets than any other club in the five major European leagues. And I can't see how you can make a case for one big sucker ahead of them.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
0: Manchester City's unrelenting, unforgiving advance to the Premier
1: League title is sweeping all before it. When you are winning, winning, the guys that play, they have to know that they have to play good to try to play again. Gundogan has it and has scored a wonderful goal for Manchester City. They are smart enough to know the chance to have right now to make an incredible step
4: to be champion again. It's
1: another goal for the new boy, Rafinha, and leads are 3-0.
4: We'll be prepared to, to compete against these big teams. I hope that we can compete good against team and we can take uh, some points.
0: Live on game day at 12.30 on Saturday, I'm going to this game, and I watched uh, Leicester City, arguably uh, on consistency basis and reliability basis, the second best team in the league. Uh, They struggled to land a glove on City last week. What I do think is that this is going to be very different. Either Leeds will shock us all, or they will get absolutely pumped. Not sure there's much of a back-to-the-wall display in the offing here, Crook.
3: No, and if you go back to the start of the season, to, to use Darren's quote about the, the wrong game the other night, that was a basketball match, wasn't it, between Manchester City and and, and Leeds at Ellen Road. They gave a really good account of themselves. They well, went Manchester to toe City toe. against
0: PSG? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you you confuse me for a minute. Though. Only joking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, listen, Bielsa has one way to play. Uh, you know that they will try and take the game to Manchester City much as Borussia Dortmund did in the Champions League midweek actually and I think they got a lot closer than a lot of people certainly a lot of Bundesliga experts were predicting we had Andy Brassel on Darren Bent's boot room on Sunday and he said to quote there was absolutely no chance that Borussia Dortmund would get any joy against Manchester City well they did get a bit of joy and had a perfectly good goal ruled out for reasons known only to to the VAR officials that was
0: ridiculous well the VAR can't do anything about that the VAR cannot get involved because the idiotic referee blew his whistle before the ball went in the net. So there was nothing the VAR could do about it. Because otherwise the VAR would have allowed the goal because it clearly Bellingham's goal where he nicks it past Edison, gets kicked by Edison, not the other way around, is, is a legitimate goal.
3: Yeah, ab- absolutely crazy. Um, but listen, there's, there, there's, they're still fantastic, aren't they? Manchester City. I'd, I'd love to see Leeds cause an upset. I, th- I think City will probably
2: swap them away. Can't add to that. I mean, I think um, City are four wins away from the title, um, 26 wins in 27, 17 points clear of Man United. that just real stats off. I think yeah, but, most- yeah, but Leeds. I know Leeds have conceded quite a lot of goals. I think 48 in 30 Premier League
0: games, Darren. But I mean, that would suggest to everybody else that they're going to have a field day, City, when they come up against Leeds. But they don't really do that anymore. They don't really blow teams out of the water, do they? And, and the
2: thing is, the expectation they set up last season because they were so free-scoring um, has put an early pressure on them, but because they've got such a good defensive base, more clean sheets, conceded fewer goals in it, in all competitions this season than any other side in the top five European leagues, what I was saying, they don't need necessarily to blow teams away. They can score one or two, then keep the opposition at arm's length and they'll probably play within themselves so they can save themselves for the second leg of the Champions League game now that they know they can't underestimate Dortmund. I think they'll win in second gear. Do you know what?
0: The, The best game I've been to involving Manchester City, I think, this year, although I probably have forgotten one, but the most competitive match I've been to involving Manchester City was against West Ham. I'm hoping that uh, that we get a similar game again against uh, Leeds United.
2: I was at that West Ham game and West Ham were, were, were firing and City were below, very, very much below par. They'd been ravaged by injury. They had players suffering from COVID. This City is a very, very, very different animal. And I think that, I'll be surprised if they don't win by at least two goals.
0: Um, City of one eighteen of their last nineteen. The squad is crazy strong, isn't it? No one should be too concerned about dynasties because they don't happen by fluke. They happen because a team has been extremely well planned, strategy wise, and and others really aren't at that level. And that it seems to be the case in the Premier League. So here's a matter face mind bender for you both. How does the rest of the league catch up with Manchester City?
3: <sighs> I, I'm not sure. It's just a case of chucking money at it. Um, to be honest. Well, no, it's got to
0: be a planned strategy, hasn't it? Because that's
3: the one thing that
0: we went through the squad the other week about Manchester City and, you know, it's almost a decade in the building.
3: But that needs patience and (laughs) I'm a prime example. Patience is not necessarily a virtue (laughs) for for football supporters. (laughs) So, it's very difficult. I I, I suppose the only straw that you can clutch onto is the fact that Liverpool did it last season. Uh, But I think you need Manchester City to be below par. You need Manchester yeah. City standards to drop. That's the first uh, element. And and you do need to make shrewd signings because I, I don't think Manchester City will sign Erling Haaland. we got a big package uh, about this possible transfer going into game day on, on Saturday. It's, it's just not part of the Manchester City business model to pay... What, £200 million when you take into account wages wages and agents fees for one player? What they do is they spend a lot of money accumulatively on a number of players to make the squad really strong. I don't think they're going to break the bank for Erling Haaland. I think if somebody else does, Chelsea or Manchester United, then then that might reduce the gap. But that might still not reduce the gap enough.
2: I disagree with you, Alex. I think... City will have a look at a big striker. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll sign Harland, but I think they will sign a big striker because the difference between a good side, a great side, and a side that dominates is somebody who can score twenty-five to thirty goals in a season.
0: Does he fit in? Does he really fit into the Manchester City system? Is he going
2: well, to do what Pep asks him to do? I've said many times, I think he'll do what it's past him to do for sure. Will he? Well, absolutely. He's a young boy with a good head on his shoulders. Um, And he's a very mature boy. And I I think, you know, you looked at the picture of him with Foden at the weekend and, you know, it it, is clearly popular for his age group. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any issues with that. I just think as far as City are concerned... They will look for someone who is going to be able to finish off the many chances that they get in a game. And they're so good defensively that they can go two goals up and start to relax. I do think they're catchable. I think everyone is way, way, way too quick to write Liverpool off. Once Van Dijk is back and Gomez is back and Liverpool invest in the summer, and I think they'll look at the game against Real Madrid and, and realise... they showed their quality in that match, didn't they? Well, you look at Liverpool... And you see that against Real Madrid... Hold on,
0: sorry, sorry. Tony Cruz is on his own again. Stop it. Can someone... Any chance? No? Okay.
2: No, no, no. Well, This is what I was about to say. Against Real Madrid, they learned basic things... I'm not sure you should be learning
3: basic, th- basic things in a Champions League quarter final well, should you? We
2: can, we can tuck tuck and wave our fingers and that but you know big clubs have made I remember in the 90s when Man United time and again would get into uh, the, the Champions League and tumble out again and learn things about what they should do game management the way that should they could do better the following season to get back in make the same mistakes. You know Liverpool are on a learning curve yeah. at the moment and without Van Dijk, that learning curve kind of, has been a bit more difficult but I think once he's back next season once Gomez is back I think they'll sign more players I think they look as though they need to be refreshed with a couple of signings I think Liverpool could catch Manchester City absolutely that and was a
3: party political broadcast on behalf of
2: Liverpool Football Club look,
3: <laughs> look, look I think the, the motto
0: is you'll never walk alone unless you're Tony Cruz and you're in the centre of the Real Madrid
2: midfield they had a bad game get over it Another one.
3: Benteke at the far post and then volleyed in quite
1: superbly by Zaha and Palace find themselves in front. Eight games, there's a lot of games to play in the season. Every premiership game is an important one and there's a lot of points at stake. Chelsea 2, West Bromwich Albion 5. If it was necessary to remind us, okay, we take it as as a reminder or as a big slap in the face. And
3: the shot driven in by Mason Chelsea finally have the
4: goal here to break down the ten men. We have uh, eight weeks coming now, decisive weeks, exciting weeks, full of decisive matches.
0: Crystal Palace against Chelsea is 5:30 live on Game Day. Chelsea victors in midweek against Porto with a, a performance of maturity. They were tested and probed, but got two goals from uh, two mistakes and a moment of brilliance uh, from Mason Mount. This tie isn't over. Uh, Porto, very good side. But Chelsea showed what they have become, which is tough to beat, not particularly entertaining, and sometimes uh, can win games when they're not expected to, or not at their 100% best. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, as we know, and dressed in a dreadful Palace knockoff kit uh, on Wednesday, they were very well organised
3: and hard to beat, a bit like Roy's team. And uh, what are we expecting at the weekend? See, I didn't give Palace a prayer against Everton and, and they showed a bit of quality in that game to get a point. So, uh, I think Chelsea are going to have to go up through the gears. It wasn't a, a vintage Porto side. They were playing great goal from Mason Mount, but as you say, two defensive mistakes. I think they are going... in. Going to need to be a little bit more expansive in this game, but Palace will, will just try and stifle the life out of them. I wanted to talk about Mason Mount actually because a lot of Chelsea fans got really animated when he was left out by Thomas Tuchel in his very first game. Yeah. If you look at it now, that could be a genius piece of management because Mason Mount's form for club and country since being snapped mm-hmm. by Tuchel has gone on to a whole new level. So maybe I Thomas th- Tuchel's form was fine beforehand, to be honest. It wasn't as good as it has been now. No, this, this, for me, is the best that Mason Mount has, has ever played. I think this is the best Mason Mount that
0: maybe, we've seen. Maybe he's, he's fired up by it. But, I, I mean, that the idea of, of Chelsea fans... We used to have Rory, the Chelsea fan, who used to ring up and, and complain that I... Sam Matterface thinks that Mason Mount's a brilliant player. I just don't see it, he kept saying. He used to ring up every week and tell everybody that. I think... It, it, I, if you've watched him over a period of time, everybody knows how good this kid is. He's 22 years of age. He's going to get better and better and better over the next couple of years. He's absolutely superb. And Chelsea, Chelsea are in a position where actually they kind of rely on him, which is a bit of a worry, I think, at this sort of stage, especially when they've spent all that money on Werner, on Havertz, both of which were completely anonymous in the game in, in midweek. Um, Chelsea do have a bit of a problem to uh, with, with Crystal Palace. They seem to have a tendency to sort of get sticky against them. Um, but... The, but, um, look, you know, I think it's time probably to air the Darren Lewis question that he posed uh, on Monday night after West Ham's win uh, against Wolves on
2: Monday night in our WhatsApp group. What did you say, Darren? Well, I asked one of two questions, but I'll ask the one that's less controversial. Okay. If West Ham finish fourth and David Moyes leads them to a Champions League place, mm. is he the manager of the season? Or will it be
3: Pep? Well, it's a really tough one because there's still every chance that Manchester City win the quadruple. And it's hard to look beyond the man who's delivered every trophy possible as manager of the season. But I tweeted about this the other night. I think what David Moyes has done at West Ham is remarkable. I was speaking to a CEO, a rival Premier League club over the weekend. And there's a bit of amusement amongst the the other clubs in the top flight to exactly how West Ham have done this because they still have a relatively modest scouting department in terms of everybody else. Um, they're still not regarded as perhaps the best run club in the Premier League, not even close to it. But basically they've gone back to basics. They've given David Moyes control of transfers. They've stopped autograph hunting with the signings they've made. And my word is it, it paying dividends. And every <laughs> there have been a couple of signings when they signed Dawson I remember West Ham fans getting very animated about that signing. He's not good enough for us. Why are we signing a cast off from Watford? Well, he's just signed a permanent contract because he's been sensational. And the the, the, the arrival of Jesse Lingard wasn't met with universal uh, popularity in that part of London either. I mean, what an end to the season he is having. He is making it very difficult for Jesse, for, for Gareth Southgate to leave him out of the England squad for the Euros. And David Moyes deserves all the credit in the world for that. He Someone's does. So the second
0: question was: the second question was, um, where does that leave the managers of Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal if West Ham finish in the top four? To which I think we all sort of universally agreed that if West Ham finish in the top four above all of those clubs, then all of those
3: managers have got
0: questions to ask. Answer. They don't
3: forget Jurgen Klopp in that mix as well. If they finish above
2: the, the defending champions, no, Jurgen Klopp's not in that mix at all. I think they've got more baggage than Heathrow uh, given what's happened to Liverpool this season. So I wouldn't put them in that particular. Well, that's respect. not
0: difficult. Heathrow has been closed for a year.
2: <laughs> very good, very. Um,
0: good. But I, I, I think I suggested that the managers of Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham probably should be uh, looked at at least if they, if they, if if they allow West Ham to to get above them in the league and and the reason for that is not no disrespect to West Ham United but actually it's asking the question how can Chelsea with <laughs> the investment that they made in the summer and some of the great young players that they've got you know um, allow a team like West Ham United who haven't had the same level of expenditure and haven't got the resources that they've got allow them to get into the the, the top 4 above them and the same with Tottenham i mean Tottenham have got Harry Kane They've got Sergio Reguilón at left back, who was sought after by a lot of teams in Europe. They've got a World Cup-winning goalkeeper. They spent a lot of uh, energy trying to get Hoybier, who actually has done quite well. They've got Son playing up front alongside Kane. How on earth are West Ham getting ahead of that team? And Arsenal, well, I mean, I mean, I, mean, well, Arsenal. Uh, that's another question for another day. So I think that, you know, West Ham have done very, very well. But I think the other teams that should or usually occupy that zone, will have a lot of questions to answer if West Ham get into the top four. Uh, Back to Crystal Palace. Paolo Fonseca, Maurizio Sarri. Everyone's being linked with that job. Have we got any sort of update on who might be
3: getting it? I think it'll be Sean Dyche. I I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he'd been spotted house hunting in in the London area. I I think he's had his flirtations with, with Palace before, and I think he is aware now that he's probably taken Burnley as far as he can, barring a flurry of of, of money to spend this summer from the new owners that I'm not entirely convinced will be forthcoming. I would be surprised if it wasn't Sean Dyche. Mm. Darren?
2: I wouldn't argue with that at all. I think that when you look at the fact that they've got 14 players out of contract in the summer, they're clearly clearing the decks for someone to come in and remodel Crystal Palace in their own image. Roy Hodgson's been magnificent for the club, but I think even he would accept that they need somebody younger, somebody who's going to take them forward now and start planning for the longer term. Um, And I I hope that he were to stay in some capacity at the club because his ideas have, have clearly saved Palace from relegation and helped them to build... And he's done well with the young players that they've signed since. But I think that's... Is is any new
0: manager going to put up with that, though? You know, Roy's going to stick around as the uh, director of football. And they've already got one of those. I named Doogie Freeman
2: doing that job. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I just think that there is still a place for Roy Hodgson at the club, you know, at a Premier League club, you know, with his ideas, with his very level head and his influence, which has helped Palace as a football club. Why would you not want to retain that knowledge?
0: Uh, West Ham take on Leicester on uh, Sunday at 2.05. That would be an excellent game. Two very, very good teams. I just wonder whether or not Leicester will be slightly distracted about the fact that they've got the semi-final of the FA Cup a week after that. And no Declan Rice for West Ham United. That's a major... Well, we thought it would be a major miss on Monday night, but actually they managed to deal with that quite well. Uh, It's probably more of a major miss for England if if they can't get him fit again.
3: Yeah, he's the player that's going to be on the front page of the newspapers. Pray for his recovery. Get Yuri Geller out of service, as we always have to before before a major tournament. I don't,
0: I don't think Yuri Geller ever does come out
3: of. Uh... He, he, he he definitely did when Beckham uh, did his metatarsal. I'm I'm going back a couple of decades, probably. Oh, didn't they publish like a picture or something in one of the
0: papers, and we all had to touch the picture? Exactly. Yeah,
2: I'm, I I'm sure it worked. England. England are nowhere near that anymore. I, I think I don't what, think they a are. I don't player, know. But I think West Ham showed on Monday night that they can win without him. They can score goals without him. Um, and I think England can do the same. Calvin Phillips has done well. Jordan Henderson should mm. be back by then. Um, Eric Dyer can play in midfield. We do have options. People will say none as good as Rice. I would accept that. But I think uh, Jordan Henderson's not too bad. And I, I just think that as far as England are concerned, we will survive. We're a long, long way away from where we were in those days when one player would determine our fortunes or the absence of that player. And I think in terms of West Ham, that win, I, t- I tweeted about it the other day, seeing as you're both looking at my Twitter feed, um, that that win over West over, over Wolves showed that they can get three points without Rice. And it's set them up for the remainder of the season because now there is no more narrative around Rice. It's more just about what those players do. And I think they can, they can easily get a result in this game.
0: We check out on your Twitter feed because we um, we hang on your every word. That is the reason. <laughs> but Darren, Eric Dyer hasn't played in midfield for anybody for 18 months. Um, and he's got the uh, turning circle of an articulated lorry. I mean, you probably wouldn't want to start the European Championships with him in midfield having not played there for, for a very long time long period of time um, right okay that's West Ham Leicester kicks off at 2.05 it's time for a brand new feature come on Luce what have you got for us
4: I'm out of breath
0: oh why what have you been doing
4: I've just had to run downstairs to get the dog off the flower bed oh, no. No. <laughs> I can't see
0: him. There he is. <laughs> what, why, what, why was he on the flower bed?
4: He knows he's not supposed to be on the flower bed and he's on the flower bed and he's so big now. I was just wrestling with him and then I had to run back upstairs so I didn't miss this part.
0: <laughs> so, so let's get this right. So the dog, he, he knew you were on the pod concentrating so he thought he would go downstairs and have a rummage in the flower beds whilst you were up here.
4: Yeah, and then he just kept barking so I had to go down. I couldn't leave him on there.
3: Terrible. We should never report that dog for a cook. <laughs> Do you know what? I hate dogs, but he's actually quite cute. What's his name? Teddy. Oh, you Teddy. ask every oh, week, Darren. It's now. not that hard to remember. <laughs> he's named
0: after Teddy Sheringham. Yeah. Of
2: course, of course, of course. Of course, I
0: remember. Right. What have you got for us, Luce?
4: Right, so this is time for a whistle-stop tour around one of the fixtures of the weekend through the medium of stats. Yeah. So Sam is going to absolutely love this. Um, I want you guys to give me your best stat from the game between Liverpool and Aston Villa. Then I will decide who has the best. So they need to be inventive, witty, and relevant. And I'll keep a table of your scores between now and the end of the season.
0: Oh, okay, who gets to go first?
4: Well, you go. yeah, Sam, you look you look eager.
0: Okay. Well, my stat is that Liverpool have failed to win any of their last eight Premier League games at Anfield, which is their longest winless run at home since going eight league games without a win between February and August 1955, when Darren was 10. Uh, During this run, during that run in 1955, did you know that Chelsea were the first ever team invited to take part in the European Cup, but were forced to withdraw... Um, on the instruction of the Football League how history could have been different Uh, Anthony Eden was the Prime Minister in that year of 1955 Guinness Book of Records was uh, first published and everyone was dancing to a bit of Rosemary Clooney who was number one with Mumbo Italiano oh yeah here we go
1: Mambo Italiano Italiano.
3: Italiano. Mambo
1: Mambo Mambo, Italiano
4: Go, go, go You mixed up Sigiliano All you Calabrese Do the Mambo like a crazy Hey!
0: Hey. There you go, that's my effort Lucy, do I get a mark out of (sighs) ten?
4: Well, the thing is, Sam It went on so long I actually forgot what the initial stat was
0: Yeah, it's because you went downstairs To go and get the dog again (laughs)
4: But you did have a music accompaniment, which is always good. So I'm going to give you a five. <laughs> oh, out ten. of ten. Out of ten. Okay, crook, off you go.
3: Well, I think I need some sad mood music for Darren Lewis for this stat. Sam, can you help me with that? Hold on, call up. So my stat really just emphasises the decline of... Darren's beloved Liverpool and the dramatic nature of it. This weekend, as we all know, is the 31st Premier League game of the season. Liverpool actually won the Premier League title their first in three decades after this round of matches last season. They beat Crystal Palace by four goals and I think you were there, Sam. And then Manchester City lost at Chelsea. They were 20 points, 2-0 points clear at the top of this stage last season. They currently find themselves 25 points behind Manchester City now I'm not a mathematician but I made that a 45 point swing but don't worry according to Darren Lewis it will all be alright when Virgil van Dijk is fit next season I'm not so sure
0: Well, Lucy what's he getting for that
4: Say, I'm just not enjoying these
0: alright <laughs>
4: I think, I think for next week it needs a bit of humour or something to have me a bit more gripped.
3: All right, okay. I tried if, the humour with the mood music.
4: If you could tell me the circumference of Jack Grealish's thighs or something, calves, sorry, or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> that would be good.
2: And we were still recording.
4: <laughs> you, I'm going to give you... I'm going to go for a 6.5 crook.
2: Yeah. Oh! You know, when you're on your list of music, Sam, have you got any Jaws music? That 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 might be good to accompany what I'm.
0: Well, let's go for it. Let's see what we got. Come on.
2: All right. Okay. Oh, I love that. I I think Liverpool are a good bear to get revenge for that annihilation at the start of the season, largely because I don't think you can read anything into that. Real Madrid form Premier League wise I think they'll they'll want a reaction and I think that last week's performance in the Premier League against Arsenal shows that it is a level below quite clearly the Champions League and Aston Villa have been very, very average of late. Everyone talks about the fact that Jack Grealish is coming back. He's only scored one goal since November. And so as far as Liverpool are concerned, maybe there's not as much to worry about from Jack Grealish as some people might think. Salah is in great form. I think as far as Liverpool's defenders are concerned, they looked very comfortable against Arsenal last weekend. And Arsenal is the barometer by which we should judge Liverpool's chances going into this match not Real Madrid I think Liverpool will get back on the bus back on the bus the bike and they will win comfortably this weekend
0: okay is, is Jack Grealish the Jaws that is lurking in the uh, the potential choppy
2: waters of the Premier League for no 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 no. Jack Grealish is a scantily clad um, water skier who doesn't know that Jaws is behind him or her and um he, uh, and he represents Aston Villa I can see why Lucy doesn't like this <laughs> I can't do the humour <laughs> <laughs> but anyway you didn't play Jaws loud enough you were supposed to build up some mental loudly so that I could get I could hear it. was
0: that loud enough for you that's not bad no Lucy um, what are you giving him for
4: that just for the imagery at the end I'm going to give Darren a seven.
2: What? <laughs> I love you, Luce. I what? love Lucy See, that's the thing. Isn't this is I? like the
3: voting at the Eurovision Song Contest. Because she also, hates me and Sam and likes Darren. He's going to win every week. And we bought also, her a dog. You
4: two were ganging up on him as well, exactly. which isn't fair. So you get half a bonus point.
3: Thank you so much, Luce. I think that feature is what's called a work in progress. <laughs>
0: Because you lost. Uh, yeah, that will be that will be his sole reason. <laughs> Fulham against Wolves is Friday night at eight o'clock. Now this game ended one nil uh, to Wolves in October, a narrow victory uh, for the team from Molyneux.
2: Pedro Neto with the
0: goal, only goal of the game. What happens on Friday night? Do we think, Darren? It's
2: really hard to tell. I've got a lot of faith in Fulham. I'm a little bit worried about Wolves and the way that they capitulated in the first half against West Ham. Came back second half, but I think Fulham still see an opportunity that they can take. And I think at home, the momentum might be with them. I'm going to go for a Fulham win.
0: Uh, What about you, Crook? You're not entirely sure, are you? I mean, you're you're basically the the Fulham denier. Well...
3: (laughs) the league table doesn't lie and every week you two say oh we like Fulham they've got a great chance of staying up Scott Parker what a good job he's doing they've won five matches out of 31 games this season they've conceded 41 goals in those 31 games where is the evidence that Fulham are actually improving in terms of tangible points on the board? Well the, 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 the
0: evidence is on the 13th of February they were 10 points from safety and obviously Now, that's not the case, is it? They've closed the gap significantly, so the evidence is is pretty clear. No, I I don't think it is. How many games have they won since then? Three? They've won, yeah, exactly, in 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 a month and a half. So there is quite, and bearing in mind that you mentioned that they've only won five all season, the fact that they've won that many games over
3: the course of that period shows you that there is quite a tangible improvement, no? I I don't see it. I I don't see it. I still think they're going down. There's still three points between them and Newcastle. Newcastle have a game in hand. Six points behind Brighton, seven behind Burnley, nine behind Wolves who've had a pretty dreadful season and poor recent run of form by their own standard set in the first couple of years in the Premier League. What's going to happen? Fulham will probably play well. They'll be pleasing on the eye. You two can come on here next week and say, oh, it was a brave performance from Fulham and they'll lose again. Yeah, but if they do win, they go above Newcastle on goal difference with victory, Darren.
2: And if they do that, then it's about a battle of desire. And I still think Fulham has far more than Newcastle. You say that every week. Newcastle got back into that game last week against, uh, against Tottenham because Tottenham, because of Tottenham's consistent inability to see games out, you can look at a number of games across this season where they've gone ahead and blown it in the final few minutes. And last week was another example of that. Had Spurs seen that game out, the pressure would have continued on Newcastle. I still don't trust them. And, and you know, this period now is about teams that you can trust. Hang your hat on. I still wouldn't hang my hat on Newcastle because there's too many things in the background that are not quite right.
0: Uh, Four points from a possible 18 for Fulham, but only two points out of a possible 15 for Wolverhampton Wanderers. So basically, these two teams are both out of form. It gives them an opportunity, I think.
3: I thought Fulham were great how can they be out of form we didn't say, no one said
0: they were great we said that they had improved did you not listen to that you just changed the narrative for your own sort of twisted headlines the fact of the matter is is if you can't see that Fulham have improved since the beginning of the season then I question whether or not you've watched much of them
3: I'm sure that will make their supporters and the owners feel much better when they get relegated back to the championship on the fact that they had a go in the second half do You know what? the what?
0: I want Fulham to stay up so much just to wind you up do you know that that would be, that'd be better than anything else that happens this year. Um, right. Uh, the seventh game this week is Burnley against Newcastle Sunday at midday. It's live on TalkSport 2. Uh, you mentioned Newcastle just then. that They almost won the game late against Spurs because of Spurs' failings. Burnley chucked away a two-goal lead down at Southampton on the same day. I'm not sure what to expect here, really. Um it- I mean, I, I'm I'm not expecting a three-three, but then again, when Burnley went to Southampton, I wasn't expecting a three-two. So, I suppose we're in that sort of a zone, really, where Newcastle know they can't afford to lose this match, but Burnley are a better unit, aren't they?
3: I think it'll be a draw. I think a draw will, will probably suit both teams, especially when Fulham failed to win on, on Friday night. I think Steve Bruce has already said, he said before the last game, they wanted nine points from nine games. I think they're going to try and pick them up in in single digits. So, yeah, my money would be on
2: a, a score draw in this game, one-on-one. Something like that. I think Burnley will win. Burnley have got more up front. Burnley have got more desire. Burnley are better defensively. I think Burnley will win. I think Newcastle are inconsistent. I... would
3: Newcastle showed desire, Darren, against Tottenham. They had 17 shots from inside the penalty area. Yeah, they were better, actually, weren't they? Much better than they have been recently. Yeah,
2: but but there's my point. They showed that in flashes. They are inconsistent. You look at their run of form. We talked about it before. Two wins now in 21 matches. They were better. They are are good in patches, but every so often they revert to the Newcastle side. That stinks the place out. I think that Burnley, for me, they are a, a more honest side. I think that They've only won. They've only lost what two of their last eight games. I would say Burnley to win this at their own place and at the very least get a draw out of it. But I can't see Newcastle winning. Uh,
0: Burnley have won just one of their last seven uh, matches. Um, actually, we did have a uh, a contribution on social media this week, which asked, demanded, in fact, uh, Crook to apologise for Darren for last week's podcast where he scoffed at the idea uh, that Liverpool would handsomely beat Arsenal uh, and that they would uh, go within two points of the uh, Champions League places.
3: Did I scoff at that idea?
0: I think you did, yeah. Um, and we had, a tw- uh, we had an Instagram post about it, actually.
3: Well, I, I will apologise, Darren, but that doesn't sound like me because I actually had a, a decent bet on Liverpool to, to win that game against Arsenal. But, so. but
0: it does sound like you because you, you, you speak with full tongue, don't you? It depends on, <laughs> on who you're talking to and at what time of day it is. <laughs> I like to wind Darren up. You, you like I to this. cover all bases. Um, he, 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 he regularly will send us a, a victory betting slip uh, celebrating how well he's done in a horse race in which there were six horses and he backed five of them. <laughs>
3: I've got four for the Masters this weekend. Actually, it's just just to cover those bases. Yeah, good, good.
0: Um, Sheffield United against Arsenal is Sunday night at seven o'clock. What's happening with Arsenal? Uh, they were ripped apart in the game uh, by uh, Liverpool, as we've already mentioned. Um, they go to Sheffield United. They'll win this game. If they don't, then you know that would be a, even more of a disaster than the rest of their season. Um, but um, what's happening with their captain? Everything all right there?
3: Hmm. Interesting. Um, I mean, his performance was poor against Liverpool, but Gary Neville touched on it in the commentary. I wonder if that is because of Aubameyang or because of the job that he's being asked to do by Mikel Arteta, because Arteta doesn't have a lot of faith in the defenders currently at his disposal. The the flair players, the former players, they're having to spend a lot of time in their own half, which clearly doesn't bring the best... Out of Aubameyang, and I am just starting to hear whispers uh, that maybe all is not particularly well between Michel Arteta and his captain. Maybe there were certain promises made to Aubameyang in terms of recruitment and um, the objectives moving forward when he signed that big contract in the summer that possibly he feels have not been honoured. And I think when those kind of things start emanating from the dressing room, you have to be a little bit concerned. What,
0: what sort of all- promises could they have been? Because it's not as, as if once he signed that contract, which was after the transfer window, they could go
3: out and, and sign Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he possibly... I mean, I mean, he, listen, the announcement of the, of the contract, it, it, that wasn't after the transfer window, was it? Because we had an extended window, didn't we? He signed his contract after the first game of the quite, season. I think the window was still quite open. Quite possibly, sorry, uh, but, yeah. but but my point is, is that Arsenal
0: were never going to go out and spend a load of money on on on, on established talent, were they?
3: Well, that, that that's only the message that I'm getting this morning. That um, as I say, promises were made to Aubameyang about the recruitment, none of which necessarily have been honoured. He was given assurances by the clubs that they would be competitive this season. And clearly, if you look at the league table, that, that hasn't been the case. But you're right, I'm not I'm not exactly sure who he was expecting them to bring in. Just watch this space, because I think, as I say, what once these kind of signals start being sent from the dressing room, it's a sign that there's a discord between the manager and his players. And actually, if you looked at the Arsenal performance against Liverpool, then didn't look like a group of players necessarily pulling in the same direction for the man on the touchline who looked to haunt his figure afterwards. Well,
0: Mikel Arteta did say that, didn't he? He came out afterwards and, and said that, you know, this is is a this is, this was a terrible performance. And in fact, he said he took responsibility for it. Um, I, I wonder whether or not that was sort of an omission on his part that actually he'd got the sort of blame game wrong in previous matches.
2: I think as far as Arteta's concerned, he's, he's perfected the art of taking all of the... Um, blame on himself so that he stops other people targeting him but I don't think it should prevent other people targeting him. One clean sheet in their last 16 matches, they're one of the easiest of the so-called big six to play against and I think there should be more of a focus on him because if any of their player, if any of his players are demotivated then that's a failure of his management and I think as far as he is concerned. He's trying to get them to play a style of football that other teams are taking advantage of. They're trying to play out from the back. They're press against Liverpool last weekend. You know, trying to play out... I'll deal with them separately. Dave Kidd in The Sun on Monday, he said that their attempt to play out from the back in the face of Liverpool's press was akin to lighting a cigarette in a hurricane. And it was such a good analogy because I could not understand what they were trying to do. And that was so naive from Arteta. And when you look at the team and the the players that he's got at his disposal, whether they're good players or bad players, we talked about West Ham before, an inferior squad, but a superior collective desire that Arsenal simply do not have. They're energised by their younger players and when that's the case, something is seriously wrong. The senior players should be the ones who are leading the way, not the younger players. And people can say, oh, well, he needs 12 games and then you decide, but Arsenal, can they afford to give a guy who is clearly struggling with that job that length of time? They could be so far behind. The other teams are making great progress and Arteta... I was a big, big Arteta fan, as you guys all know, uh, over the past, what, 12 months or so. But it, it, it's not working. 60 games it'll be by the end of the the season that he's taken
0: charge of in the Premier League. And the statistics are quite stark, really, aren't they, in terms of the number of of points that he's won. I pointed out in Monday's pod that actually of the last 25 matches, of the 50 that he's played so far, he's taking a lot less a lot fewer points per game Um, and he's taken he's taken the team sort of into the bottom half of the table I mean it's it's a a real worrying trend for for Arsenal they seem to be going backwards rather than than forwards. I don't think you can accept being part of the Arsenal hierarchy and seeing Arsenal in the bottom half of the table. It's legitimate to think that that could
2: happen at the end of the season. uh, Listen, listen. I know you're going to come in corrupt, but I've got to just say this. We we have to stop buying into this narrative that he deserves extra credit because he's Pep Guardiola's disciple. You know, we're all aiming uh, criticism at Aubameyang and uh, Arsenal players that aren't doing this and aren't doing that. That's Arteta's job to motivate the players into doing that. Mm. The same group of players arguably at West Ham that were underperforming under Pellegrini are playing out of their skins under David Moyes. The finger should be pointed at the manager at Arsenal, not at individual players. His job is to make them better. Has Arteta
0: done that? No. I think we've got some breaking news here. I think there is something that we all agree on.
3: Yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen very often, does it? (laughs) I think... Had he not have won the FA Cup last season, then there would be a lot more questions being asked. I think that did buy him a bit of credit in the bank with Arsenal fans. And I think probably as a club, they're gambling on the Europa League. If they win the Europa League and they therefore somehow end up in, in the Champions League, it will be seen as a successful season. But once again, that will really just be masking over the cracks. That performance against Liverpool was probably the worst that I've ever seen from an Arsenal team in my lifetime. Oh, we're throwing that around, aren't we? I
0: mean, I said they're the, are the worst team I've ever seen uh, to wear the Arsenal jersey in my lifetime. That's the worst performance you've ever seen an Arsenal team give in your lifetime. Darren, your lifetime goes back a little bit further. Um, <laughs> he goes back to Woolwich Arsenal, doesn't he? <laughs> is, there, is, is there anything you'd like to
2: add there? No, I think, I think I'm think i Arsenal'd out now. I mean, look, people might sell you having to go and whatever else. A, it's our job to give our opinions on football matches, and B, we're all grown men. Let's just call it as we are, rather than trying to skate around diplomacy. There there has to be. That's always
3: been my problem. That's always been my issue.
2: (laughs) And look, uh, uh, Arsenal are a massive football club, and a, a, a competitive Arsenal is good for the Premier League. This Arsenal side are nowhere near as competitive, and you have to ask the question: How long do you give him? because the other teams are going to make progress and, and, and you know you look at Spurs Spurs have been a mess this season Spurs are ahead of Arsenal and in with the shout of the Champions League and that tells you just how bad Arsenal have been this season mm. I think that I wouldn't even say with any certainty they would beat Sheffield United me at, neither at, at Lane and, and that is and, and it underlines just how bad they are okay All right, that's the end of uh,
0: us uh, sharking our way through the Premier League uh, fixtures. Uh, There are dangers in the waters, folks, so be careful. Uh, We are back on Monday morning when you wake up. Alex Crook and I will be joined by Dean Ashton, looking back at the weekend's action. Uh, Have a great weekend, gentlemen. Please rate and review the podcast and tell your friends to subscribe to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport.